Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Annie Duke. Annie Duke, the poker champion, decision maker, public speaker, and more importantly for our purposes today, best-selling author, has a new book, very counterintuitive, if I may say, channeling a little Kenny Rogers. It is called Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. You were complaining about the furniture. Have you settled in? Everything cool over there <laughs> I have. Now? I mean, this chair is very low, Michael, you compared think it's to how deliberate. you sit. It's a total power move. I swear it's not. Charles Barkley made the same critique. Uh, TC can tell you that I paid someone to refurnish our abode. That's true. And, and it was a designer. Did, and did not get involved in any of the decision making. You had no, zero, zero say in it. And I this said, is here's what they the brought space. in. Like, yeah. And maybe we weren't even planning on using those chairs. I think that's part of it. It's not like that chair was meant to be used how it's being used. And yet, but Annie's very a, low. sort of a game theorist. She would have thought in those terms. Of course. But I wouldn't. Of course. All I can say is you're like, you're towering over me. I'm yeah. Sort of, it's like a little kid's table. Right, I'm that towering over true. here. So true. Annie, I was thinking of you this weekend because I was reading your book this weekend and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were both having bad outings. And I was thinking, 
maybe it doesn't end well. Maybe they go the way of Muhammad Ali. What's the lesson of Muhammad Ali? So the lesson of Muhammad Ali is actually the the sort of good side of grit and the bad side of grit. So grit is a really important character trait to develop because it gets you to stick to things that are really hard that are also worthwhile. And this is something that we certainly want to instill in our children. There's a book that Angela Duckworth, you know, you're familiar with. I interviewed with, her, about sure. It. Yeah, everybody should go buy that book. It's a great book. Was she wrong? Not in the least. Where uh, I think people misinterpret her work is to say, if grit is good, then it is always good. In other words, that stick to things and you will succeed. Where it's actually the reverse. If you succeeded at something, you will have stuck to it through lots of hard times. But it's it doesn't mean that you should stick to things that aren't worthwhile. And that's the problem with grit taken too far is that while it does get you to stick to hard things that are worthwhile, it also gets you to stick to hard things that aren't worthwhile. And that was the problem with Muhammad Ali. After he won the heavyweight title against uh, uh, Sonny Liston when he was Cassius Clay, we know he changed his name to Muhammad Ali, became a conscientious objector to the war. Uh, he was stripped of his title. He wasn't able to fight for many years. When he was able to come back, it took him four years to get a title fight. But this time he's in his 30s. Nobody thinks that he can regain the heavyweight title, particularly because there's a guy named George Foreman around who basically you walk in the ring, he throws a punch, you go down, he wins the fight, he is undefeated. Uh, So he earns that title fight against him, huge underdog, rumble in the jungle, and the way he wins is by changing his tactics. You know, it used to be like float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. This was Muhammad Ali on the ropes taking punches for many, many rounds. Yeah, the rope-a-dope. And he does end up winning that fight. So that's the power of grit, right? He saw something that other people couldn't see. He stuck through it, even with all the naysayers, and ends up regaining the heavyweight title. However... However, he keeps fighting. And what happens, you know, after that is that he starts to get some bad physiological reports, right? Like the medical reports aren't looking good, uh, particularly it start, it's like he has kidney damage. Um, they're starting to get concerned neurologically. And Freddie Brenner, who was the promoter at Madison Square Garden, says, you really need to stop. And Ali refuses. And so Freddie uh, Brenner. Pache- uh, the fight doctor, Freddie Pacheco, different Freddie. Teddy Brenner ends up quitting him. Right. Who's the who's the uh, promoter at Madison Square Garden? Then right after that, Ferdy Pacheco, who is his fight doctor, says you need to quit. Ali refuses. He then quits him also. So you have people who really know, who really care about him, who are saying you need to stop. We're seeing damage to your kidneys. You're starting to show signs of neurological damage. He doesn't quit. He uh, ends up having trouble getting licensed. He gets a fight against Larry Holmes that was such a bad beating that Larry Holmes actually famously cried after the match. It was so horrible for him. Then he can't even get licensed in the U.S., ends up fighting in the Philippines in a complete disaster of a fight where they're using a cowbell, like an actual cowbell, and they have to share gloves. Uh, so, th- like, it's taking forever because you and I fight, and then you got to take the gloves off and go give them to the next people. And we know what ended up happening, right? Like, we saw the physical. Sad. And Very t- sad. Really, really sad. Yeah, I remember the L.A. Olympics. Yeah, and this is this is really the issue, right, is that the grit that got him there was also his undoing. 
And so we need to understand that while grit is a virtue, it's not like quitting is a vice. They're both virtues under the right circumstances. Right, but we don't treat quitting. I mean, I, I reference Kenny Rogers. You, of course, have the line in your book, know yeah. when to hold them and know when to fold them, know when to walk away. Know when um, to run. Three of them no tell you to, to quit. Right, exactly. Only one of them tells but you to we stay. But don't, we don't celebrate quitting. But by the way, you mentioned Angela Duckworth, someone else whose work you mentioned, and I know my listeners will be familiar with Malcolm Gladwell and the 10,000 Hours. It has a occurred to me. I'd like to think I'm proficient at what I do behind a microphone. Hey, after all, I have my 10,000 hours in. I probably have 20,000 hours in. But you're saying, hey, just getting to 10,000 hours doesn't necessarily make you a success. And maybe you should have quit along the way because your time could have been spent elsewhere. Well, that's the thing. I mean, somebody asked me like, oh, you and Angela Duckworth should debate. And I was like, it'd be boring because we agree. Because what Angela Duckworth is saying is that you need to persevere at the things that are worthwhile, that really have the reward at the end right. for you, even when they're hard. But she would never say, oh, if you just spend 10,000 hours doing something, you'll be good at it. Like We've all seen those old, the old footage of American Idol with those terrible singers. I don't care how many hours they put into that. They're not going to be a famous singer. So it's all about sampling, right? You try things. You figure out if they're for you. And if they're not, ditch them really fast, quit those things so that you can stick to the stuff that really is worthwhile. Because honestly, our lives are really short. So when we take perseverance for perseverance sake, because we think that quitters are losers, which is essentially what I would be saying if I called you a quitter, right? Right. Then we stick in situations that aren't worthwhile, whether it's a job with a toxic boss or a relationship that is not fulfilling and making us really unhappy or just like climbing a mountain in the middle of a snowstorm oh, because I, we think we have to get to the summit. Yeah. You talk about the men, the Mount Everest climbers we've never heard of. Please just give us the Note version of that story and how it relates to the bigger narrative of your book. Yeah. So, you know, we think of quitting as so negatively. They're not the heroes of our story. So, you know, I always think like there's so many stories about grit you know, on top of Mount Everest, like people, I mean, yeah, obviously, it's a, I mean, that's what we celebrate. It's a super gritty thing to right. climb that high, like sure. to do something that, that few people have ever done. What we don't hear about is the story of any quitters. So I want to tell you a story because I think that we should tell quitting stories about Everest too, of uh, Dr. Stuart Hutchinson, uh, Dr. Uh, sorry, John Tasky and Dr. Lou Kasitsky. And they were in a part of a climbing expedition with eight climbers, three Sherpas and a, and a uh, expedition leader. So they're going up Everest and on, um, and on summit day where you start at camp four, you're already very high up. You leave at about midnight and you head toward the summit and they set what's called a turnaround time in advance of your climb. And that turnaround time is 1 p.m., which means no matter where you are, I don't care if you made it to the summit, you have to turn around. And it's meant to save you from the dangers of descending across the southeast ridge. Very narrow. If you fall, it's like 8,000 feet into Tibet or 12,000 feet into uh, Nepal. Like, take your pick. Neither of them is good. Um, and so they want to get you down that in daylight. It's very dangerous if it's in darkness when you have frostbite and you're lacking oxygen and so on and so forth. 1 p.m. you have to turn around. So these climbers are going. It's very crowded on the mountain. This is in the 90s when those climbing expeditions were really popular. Their expedition leader comes up behind them. Hutchinson uh, takes them aside and says, hey, how long do you think it's going to be to the summit from here? The expedition leader says, I think it's going to be about three hours. The expedition leader goes on ahead. Hutchinson holds Tasky and Kasitsky back and says, I, we have a problem. He just told us it's going to be three hours to the summit, and it's already 1130 a.m. So that means we're not going to get there till 2.30. That's well past the turnaround time. I think we should turn around now. And they do. 
And so they turned around, they went back, they lived. Now, I'm sure it's not surprising you that there wasn't like a movie made about them. Right. <laughs> it's, it's but kind at of the a, same time. But at the same time, there was a movie made about them. So most people don't know who these people are. And they're like, well, obviously, I've never heard of them. But you have if you've read Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, if you've seen the documentary Everest, if you've seen the movie of the same name, Everest, which starred Jake Gyllenhaal, because um, they were described as the best decision makers on the mountain. The expedition leader who told them to turn around was actually Rob Hall, who was one of the protagonists of, of Into Thin Air. He got up to the um, summit at 2 p.m., an hour past his own turnaround time that he set, waited for two hours for Doug Hansen to get up there, and they both perished on top of the mountain. And we know that that was a disastrous year. These people are invisible to us, even though they followed the rules and lived. Quitting was the right thing to do. A hundred percent. In your own case, and you write about this in the book, you had to quit academia. The, we know you best as a poker champion. That was by necessity. You quit because of a health issue that you detail in the book. Otherwise, you would not have ended up in some of those smoke-filled rooms. Yeah, I mean, I think that here, here's the problem that we have with, with um, sticking to things too long, is that whenever you stick to something... That is attention and time and resources that you can't put to other things that you might be doing. And we tend not to actually even be exploring them, right? So in my case, I was doing academics. It meant that I wasn't exploring other career opportunities. I wasn't doing another career. So when you quit, or sometimes in my case, when you're forced to quit, it frees you up to explore all those opportunities that you're missing out on. And sometimes what you discover is those opportunities are like way better for you than the thing that you're actually doing. And so I was forced to quit academics. By necessity, I started exploring poker as an option, as something I could do to make money. And we know what happened with that. I became a world champion. And I think there's a big lesson with that. When you stay in a, on a job that's making you unhappy with a toxic boss, that's time you can't spend in something else. And in the end, what happens is while we think that quitting will slow our progress down, it actually speeds us up when we do it at the right time. Because if you're doing something that isn't allowing you to achieve your goals, that's what's slowing your progress. Switching to something that will allow you to achieve your goals, that's going to get you to where you want to go faster. Andy Duke is in studio with me. The book is called Quit, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduced speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Andy Duke is in studio with me. The book is called Quit. The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. Okay, so I I was hoping you were going to deal with in the book, and you do, because as I'm reading, I'm thinking, oh, we've spent a lot of time on this program, and I've spent time on CNN recently discussing the economy, the pandemic, and the so-called great resignation. And to many, you know, we say these millennials are coddled and they can't hold a job. I told the story, I told TC, every three weeks I go into my bank, totally new faces, I don't recognize everybody because nobody feels like they need to stick around in a gig for all that long. So how does this fit into Annie Duke's book? So the Great Resignation is really interesting. I think that we think about it as a bunch of people just quit and like across the board. Right. Right. But that's actually not what happened. There was a convergence of two things. One was a forced quitting event. And remember, I said when you're forced to quit, just like me with poker, you start to explore other opportunities. You start to think about what the thing, whether the thing you were doing was actually making you happy. So when we saw this big forced quitting event, in other words, the pandemic comes, layoffs, you know, people are getting fired from their jobs because businesses are shutting down. It's in specifically the service industry. So there's all these service industry workers, like your bank tellers, that are forced to be laid off. So they can't be there anymore. Then you have the convergence of lots of opportunities start appearing with the great reopening. So what happens is that when you look at all those quits, it's not across every sector. It's concentrated in the service sector with the people who were forced to quit, who then had an opportunity to start to explore other things they might be doing or to think about, 
does this service job really make me happy? And when the reopening occurred and there were other places for them to go, they did. And that's good for them. So in line with your book, you think exactly. they, they were they were carrying out what Annie Duke recommends. Yeah, the people the people who weren't forced to quit, who just went along with their jobs, they're not the one that you see this big quit rate from. It's very specifically the people who had this opportunity to explore that they otherwise would not have had that opportunity. There's a lot of applicability in the book to the corporate world. Um, Your discussion of Sears stands out for me. What, What did Sears do right or do wrong? Well, I mean, in the beginning, they did a lot right. Look, Sears is a really cautionary tale about the way that our identity makes it very hard to walk away from things when we should. So Sears, you know, retail company, very successful. By the 1950s, Sears uh, represented 1% of U.S. GNP. Think about that. That's nuts. But then, you know, the Walmarts and the Kmarts, eventually the Targets come along, uh, the Nordstroms you know, sort of the higher end retailers, they start to come along and Sears gets squeezed out of the market by the 90s. It's no longer the number one retailer. It actually drops to number three. And we know that then it kind of goes into decrepitude and bankruptcy. The story that people don't know about Sears, though, is that they weren't just a retail company. They were also a financial services company starting in the 30s when they founded a company called, tell me if you've heard of it, this company, Allstate Insurance. I think so. Yeah, right. So did you know that Sears owned that? Not until I read the book. Right. (laughs) So it's surprising to you, right? right? So why did they do that? Because people were driving to their stores and they thought, oh, there are these newfangled sure. cards. Maybe Absolutely. they need insurance. Yeah. So you, Allstate started off like when you went into Sears, you could get your pots and pans, your drill and your insurance at the same time. So obviously Allstate goes on to be the largest insurer for personal liability um, in the U.S. So they owned that. Then in the 70s, they acquired Dean Witter. I don't know if you remember that company, financial services Absolutely. company. That was acquired by Morgan Stanley at the time. It represented 40% of Morgan Stanley's worth. This very valuable company. They found a Discover card. Did you know that? No. 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 And and they had Coldwell Banker. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Unbelievable. They have this huge financial services company. Now, so when you look at the market cap, like total of those, I mean, we're talking probably close to $100 billion if you include Dean Witter and Discover, right? I mean, it's huge. So the question then becomes, how on earth did they go broke? That's And it's a story of quitting. So when the retail business started to falter, the financial business was thriving. Um, They had a choice, right? Like we've got this losing endeavor, which is the retail business, but Sears is a retail business. That's their identity. That's who they are. So when faced with the choice of what to do, they decided to double down and get back to their retailing roots. Instead of quote, instead of quitting, instead of quitting that which was no longer profitable for them. Right. And sticking with Allstate. Okay. Annie Duke. Give me the two-minute answer, because you've done a nice job in summarizing what the book's all about. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I hope you can tell from my questions that I did. How do you know whether a life situation that confronts you, a relationship, job, where to go to school, whatever the case may be, is one where you need to power through and have grit or cut your losses? Yeah, so that's the really hard thing, right? It's that question of what's worthwhile. And the answer to that is don't think you can do it in the moment. It's kind of like... What do you mean? Well, you know how it's really hard to eat healthy if there's an open box oh, of chocolates I, I in know. front of you? yes. Yeah, so it's really hard to make a good decision about whether you should quit when you're actually facing the choice because that's the moment that you can't recover the cause. It's the moment that you have to say, I'm a loser or a failure, which we don't like. We should reframe that, but it's hard for us to. So there's two strategies that you can do. When you start to consider quitting, you can say, how long can I take this situation for, this job that I'm in, let's say. Uh, Let's say that you can take it for three more months and say, At the end of three months, what would the world look like if things were good? What would be the signals that things are still really bad? 
And if those signals occur, I need to switch. But don't have don't have a bad day at work and make the decision no, that day. Exactly. You want to say, I, you know, what would the world look like in this period of time? The other thing you can do is get a quitting coach. Someone from the outside who has your long-term best interest at heart. And the reason for that is, Michael, have you ever seen someone sticking to something where you know they should quit? Uh, yes, I absolutely have. Right. So yeah. other people are looking at you and seeing the same thing right. because they can see it better from the outside. So, so, in. so, so solicit the advice of people in your orbit yeah. whose opinion you trust. Mentors, therapists, good friends, you know, coworkers. Some, sometimes the right thing to do is to quit. Uh, actually, mostly we should quit, and the things we, you know, we should be picky. Yeah, about I just we don't want to, to. I just don't want to. And you don't in the book. I don't want to give. I don't want to give, especially like students and younger people, no, the no. excuse to like, well, I read Annie's book. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna pack it in because that wouldn't be the message. No, that that is not the message. The message is find something that you love, stick to that, even if it's hard, and quit the rest. So you shouldn't quit just because something is hard. You should quit because it's not worthwhile. Annie, the book's great. Thank you. I wish you all good things with it. Thank you so much. Annie Duke, The Power of Knowing When to Walk Away. The book is called Quit, ladies and gentlemen. Quit playing to change your hands. I'm moving out. Too legit. Too legit to quit. I call the quits on a night like that. These boots are made for walking. <laughs> you just have to walk away. That's it. I quit. I'm moving on. Annie's great. Love having her in studio. That was really terrific. So unbelievably good. She is just a an incredible friend of the show. I love um, her. I like how fast her brain works. I just think it's very, very interesting. And she makes sense. She really does make yeah, sense. And, but, but it was all about the worth. What's the worth? But TC, there's a cottage industry built on perseverance, tough it Michael, out. Michael, we've talked about it before. Those, like, can you teach grit? The motivational posters that I always make fun <laughs> of. When I, when I go into an office and I see those motivational posters, I get the feeling like they, they've not been in business all that long. It just feels so transitory of to course. me. But hers is totally counterintuitive. And the, the, the idea is, hey, sometimes, sometimes you got to go the other direction. So that you can focus on the things that are worth it. I think that's what the, the big message that she gets. Totally agree. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. You can make money the hard way becoming a bullfighter or save money the easy way with Xfinity Mobile. It sure beats making money as a human cannonball. Now through March 21st, learn how existing Xfinity customers can get a free line of unlimited intro for a year when they buy one unlimited line. That's hundreds of dollars in savings on your wireless bill. Visit XfinityMobile.com today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Reduce speeds after 20 gigabytes of usage per line. Data thresholds may vary.